The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello, welcome back to Everybody Is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf Review podcast where we're making our way through every episode of the series and we are up to Series 5, Episode... <laughs> I always try to write this down. <laughs> yes. S- 5? S- no, 6. Oh, yes, no, yeah, five. yeah, 6. Yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. Right first time, right first time. <laughs> the Series Finale, that's yes, it. Yes, that's the one. Yes. The Series Finale, and it's called Back to Reality. Which always makes me think of the song by Soul to Soul. Back um, to life. That's the one, yeah. Back to reality. Every time they said it in the episode or <laughs> the title, I just started humming it. So it's. it's I, I must be. Earlier on, I did think, oh, I'll start the um, start the podcast by singing that, and then I completely forgot to do it. But I'm sure. <laughs> I'm we've sure everyone we've, doesn't we've want it. me singing at the top of every podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should try and find a song that relates to the episode every week, and Ooh, we'll just start. I like that. With like a duet that. of the song. What do you let's think? Do, let us know in the yeah, comments let's below. let's do that. And we've got to get our guests to do it as well. But we won't tell them. We'll just be yeah. like, right, sing it. <laughs> get the lyrics up on online and sing. That's the one. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yes. Um, we haven't introduced ourselves. If you're new here, I mean, if you've been around, we're up to what, episode 30 something? Ooh, like, I don't know. Yeah. Something I, th- like that. I think this is episode 30. Yeah, because it's six yeah. episodes per series. So yeah, episode 30. So episode 30 now. And uh, so hopefully you know by who we are by now. But just in case you just come into this episode fresh, mm. I'm Phil. And I'm Adam. And we are making our way, as I said, through every episode. Me for the, I don't know, sixth or seventh time since I started watching it in the 90s, Adam for the very first time. Yes, and I'm having a very positive experience for the most part, really loving this show. So yeah, here onwards we go. can't believe we've only got, well, three series left of what a lot of people keep telling me is quote-unquote the golden age. Um, so yeah. Yeah, well, the original run. That's, that's the, it, yeah, sorry, the original the, run. Before the wilderness years. <laughs> uh, so this episode... Uh, I'll I'll read the synopsis off of IMDb. Uh, The Red Dwarf investigates an ocean ship, the Esperanto, Mm. where they find the ship's crew have all committed suicide and are Mm. attacked by a sea monster called the Despair Squid. Later, they wake up to find they are not who they thought they were and have actually been playing an artificial reality game for four years. Mm. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) And hilarity ensues, as they say. (laughs) Yeah. The the game that they wake up from, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but the game that they wake up from, we'll come back to the beginning, uh, yeah. is uh, reminded me a little bit of like the better than life yes. game that they've played yeah. before. It feels sort of like trodden ground, I guess, what we've... Uh, uh, yeah, but in reverse. But in reverse, yes, yeah, waking up from it. Except this is definitely, uh, the life they've been living on Red Dwarf is definitely not necessarily, well, I suppose it kind of is better than their lives uh, in this, in the world that they emerge into. Yes. In a, yeah. in a way. And what a world it is. But what, we'll come to that. World. We'll come we to will, that. We will yeah. come to that. Let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. They're exploring an underwater base. Yes. So kind of a research ship, isn't it? See, they've been experimenting with genetics um, and speeding up evolution. Yes, and, that's right. And yeah. um, a Starbug is underwater, so it is all terrain, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and and of course, um, well, no, no, I'm I'm jumping ahead again. Uh, they they <laughs> they fight. They they're they're investigating. Rimmer is on the ship, 
and they it rumors on Starbucks stayed on Starbucks, but yes. the other three have gone off to investigate this uh, this base. Yes, they find quite a few dead people and a dead yeah. fish. Yeah, and a dead fish. I, I was going to say that the first few minutes of this were quite a. It went for a very sort of grim atmospheric start, which I really liked. Like it was really like dark like we've talked about how well they could do the sort of like dark and dingy lighting effects before and like that whole um when they approach the the base you know and Rimmer's still in Starbuck there's not many points where you hear the audience laugh you know it's very much played straight you know like yeah. the, the whole which I, I quite liked it though I quite liked they were going for a sort of more uh for want of a better word like you know more of a straight drama opening I suppose you know like exploring somewhere they weren't sure of and they didn't know what was out there. It was a nice it was a nice change of pace, I guess. Yeah. And uh the, like I said, they find these these bodies, first mm. a few humans and then a fish, and they come to the conclusion that they have all, including the fish, committed suicide. Mm. Y- yes, yes, yeah. Yes. And uh they soon discover where well, there's actually a bit of funny banter about, particularly with the fish. Like why why would the why would the fish commit suicide? I'm surprised we didn't get a catfish joke, you know, considering how much he loves, he uh, loves yeah. fish. I just, I'm going know? to get you a little fishy. Fishy. Great tune. Um, but yeah, I don't know why. I just thought like that was literally the first thought in my head when it was a fish. I was like, our oh, cat's going to suggest like eating it or something. But no, we didn't. Um, we didn't. Maybe that trait's left in the past. Who knows? We, we've mentioned uh, before on the podcast, their tendency to use black humor and particularly around this subject of suicide they've yes. used, they've, several times, which yes. I know in the past has made you feel uncomfortable in, in some bits. How do you think it went here? Do you think it was well, used well or... I think um, this time, and it, it, I'm not trying to sound like rude or uncaring towards fish, but I think the fact they mainly played on the fish, you know, the fish aspect of it, like it was the fish, the fish's suicide, sort of lessened the uncomfortableness. If they sort of dwelled on, you know, say one of the human bodies and sort of made three or four minutes jokes about, oh, it, you know, it could have been this or it could have been that. Yeah, because I'm struggling to think, me the wrong way, but. think back now. But was there any jokes? Uh, I can't remember any jokes well, about humans. Suicides. The one that always springs to mind was right in the, I think, the first or second episode when you know Rimmer. Comes no, I meant in with... this episode. Oh, sorry, um, in this so episode. In in this um, episode, were there any jokes? I, I think the humans were like you know you were saying about the how the episode had this quite serious tone to start with and this quite dark tone. Mm, mm. I think that was carried on when they were finding the bodies as well. So they wasn't really like, it wasn't like they were rattling off jokes about these suicides until they got to the fish. Yeah, which I think is why I didn't really feel too uncomfortable this time around because, I mean, obviously suicide is not nice in general, but I think in the context of a drama, like, you know, in a drama... Obviously, I wasn't necessarily expecting it in Red Dwarf, but when you're going for like that grim atmospheric feeling, bad things are probably going to happen. So you sort of, I guess, subconsciously expect it. Um, but then you're right, yeah. If if they'd have started, basically, if they'd have made the jokes about the humans, that might have made me feel a bit uneasy. But the fact they directed it towards the fish sort of softened it a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, yeah, it wasn't as jarring as it has been in the past. That's probably a good way to um, to summarize it, I suppose. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Um... Uh, the so they find some hallucinogenic squid ink, yes. <laughs> which Crichton gives a bit of exposition about uh, mm-hmm. that it induces despair, and that's why everybody on the ship seems to have committed suicide. Um, yes. And and uh, Lister has touched it, so they're going to rush yes. now back to Starbuck to try and get some kind of anti 
antidepressant, I guess, some kind of mood. What do they refer to it as? Mood booster or something mood, like that. Yeah, and they say, what is it? It's lithium something. They say something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and they already have. They have a few moments of despair i suppose when they're in, uh, in the airlock of starbug where they just start uh breaking down crying and uh, nobody's really loved lister yeah i just made, that's just sad man you know it's just like oh matt you just want to give him a a big old hug and i found the cats one the funniest there i think you know he's like why have i always got to be the strong one and then that's what breaks him apart you know um really well handled there and i love when they uh get back on the ship and they realize that the squid is very much still there you know and is 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 heading towards them and Holly... either wants to uh and it, it either wants to eat them uh yeah. what is was it, it one ki- kill them or yeah that was that was a potential funniest for me just uh because i wasn't expecting it and it was great delivery from craig charles but i actually love uh that i think it's holly refers to it as the suicide squid which just made me instantly think which is of, great timing because yeah, the current movie current the movie suicide squad. suicide squad came out the week we're recording this so yeah that made me giggle a little bit just because of obviously how literally change one letter and you've got the movie but um yeah that made that made me laugh a little bit but um yeah, no, they. Um, I, I was a bit. Well, I, I, I kind of thought we weren't going to see it because you know ominous atmosphere and BBC budgets. But it would have been maybe cool to see a bit of what the squid looked like. I think we get that shadow, um, but we don't. Well, s- we. I, I think that was the ink, wasn't it? Wasn't that? The oh, was it the ink? The oh, ink? right. Okay. Uh, well, I yeah. took it to be the ink. It may have been a shadow. I'm not sure. Oh, to my uh, again, view regular viewers will know I don't have the best eyesight, so it could have been ink. Uh, I just took it as a shadow. But yeah, I thought it might have been cool to even seen like you know uh, a tentacle or something. But then I thought, well, you know, BBC budgets and we're already doing like underwater bases and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, we got some um, nice underwater model work. Um, we did, especially we did. when, as you know, they're in Starbug. Mm-hmm. Of course, Starbug crashes. <laughs> yeah, and and blows up again. And blows so, up again because yeah. that that's what always happens when you're that's in Starbug. What always happens. Um, yeah, but then we get the shock revelation. The caption "Game Over" pops up. Yeah, and, and I was literally, and I was like, them. "What?" I yeah. was like, "What is going on?" And uh, yeah, as you say, they they wake up, and uh, Rimmer's hairdo, man is uh, oh. <laughs> quite something that <laughs> not it's not just rumors because uh, lister's hairdo is also quite like he's got the ponytail and he does yeah <laughs> and cat obviously with like the cat. little bowl yep. cut or whatever and uh Crichton. Crichton says he you know he says he's half human um yeah what what part was implied to be half human because he said that and i was like right but he still had most of like the Crichton makeup it was just he had like the metal bits on his head do you know what I mean I was just yeah. like what part of you is implied to be human I don't yet? know I think he's meant to so. have been like augmented so that's why he's got a weird shaped head oh okay I that think. makes sense I guess yeah or maybe yeah. they just had to say something it was like okay yeah half human we'll yeah we'll roll with it um and then so they they're, they're wondering what's going on and then uh timothy spall comes in <laughs> i know Tim, i was so pleased to see him it's one of those where for a few seconds you go is that no surely not and sure enough yes timothy spall any harry potter fans peter pettigrew and, and various other things he's been in over the years but yeah with a brummy accent as well yeah. a very good brummy accent so. <laughs> all right lads how you feeling big wonky 
perfectly normal. We are right as right in 20 minutes. He was apparently, according to the uh, IMDb trivia section, extremely nervous shooting this because he'd never performed in front of a television studio audience before. Um, oh, and it, they had to do, his, do several takes of his lines because he was so nervous, apparently. Wow. I mean, I guess it is a different... Uh, being an actor, I, I've not done it myself, but I can imagine it's a different beast because, you know, when you're on... When you're doing regular theatre, you're more focused on, you know, delivering the lines. And if they laugh, that's great. But if not, yeah, I guess you're not really bothered about it. But yeah, when you're trying to do like scripted TV in front of a live audience where you have to make them laugh because that's the whole point of the show. Yeah, I can imagine that must be quite nerve wracking. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that they played this game. They played the Red Dwarf game very badly. <laughs> Yes, uh, they didn't. Uh, Mister was meant so to many get clues. with Kachansky. Yes, <laughs> they didn't find the planet of the nymphomaniacs, no. <laughs> which I'm I'm sure that uh, Rimra particularly would have loved. Of course, and um, uh, they missed what was it? The letter in his swimming certificate. Yeah, the micro dot in the eye of a swimming certificate, which was the clue to find out the truth of Rimmer, which is apparently that he's a secret agent uh, with altered memories to only appear like he's a complete git. Yeah, and supposedly it what is it? it helps Lister jumpstart the second Big Bang and create oh, the yes. second universe <laughs> yeah, or something. I do like that. So, so yeah, he was meant to to wipe out the crew, which we know he did. Yes, um, yeah. Uh, but then he was meant to lead Lister on to become and guide Lister to become the sort of reboot the universe with a second Big Bang, um, mm. and that's the ultimate irony that the the ultimate atheist uh, Lister is in fact God. <laughs> Yes, of course. But of course it would be, of course it would be Lister who'd do something like that. Um, one bit I liked in this scene was they, they revealed that they'd been playing the game for four years, which at the time was a nice reference to the, uh, well, the life of the show, because this yeah. went out in 1992 and the show started in 1988. So that would make four years. And I just, you know, for someone, I'm obsessed with like numbers and dates, you know, all that sort of stuff. So things like that, I, I appreciate those little, because they could have, you know, they could have put any number of years, couldn't they? They could have put like, oh, you've been playing for like 10, 20, 50 years or whatever. But I just like the fact, oh, they referenced like when, when the show started. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. We get to find out a bit more about each of the characters and who they're there in inverted commas real. Um, yes, who they are. Personalities are. Cat is a guy with no style at all. <laughs> Dwayne uh, Dibley. Dwayne <laughs> Dibley. I've been waiting for Dwayne Dibley. I forgot because I couldn't remember which episode Dwayne Dibley showed up in. Um, and <laughs> you just knew the name and the. Because I I had it in my head that it was the polymorph episode and that he right. after getting uh, like changed by the polymorphy turn into Dwayne Dibley but um clearly I was misremembering um it had been a while since I'd seen this series or the you know the early series so uh yeah it's uh yeah Dwayne Dibley no style got his yeah. little thermos flask flask yeah a little thermos flask basically uh <laughs> Would you say he was meant to, I, I don't know, like stereotype a 90s sort of nerd? Because they reference, oh, you've got an anorak in there. And I know anorak was a term often ascribed to like, you know, the adult nerds of various pop culture. You know, they call them anoraks yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know if that was what they were going for. Maybe. Yeah, I think that kind of general, like uh, slightly nerdy, like train spotter type stereotype. Yeah, yeah. That sort of thing, which I'm sure many 90s nerds loved at the time, <laughs> in inverted yeah. commas. They love being jabbed at. And um, Crichton is a detective, supposedly. Jack Bullitt. 
Oh, yes, Jack Bullets, yes. yes. Uh, half cyber, sort of cyber, de- as part of the cybernautic detective, he, he, cybernautics department, which yes. uh, we find out later is traffic. <laughs> traffic control. But do you know what? Before that got revealed, I, I wrote in my notes, somehow it makes complete sense that Crichton's a detective. I bought into that at like 100%. And I love the whole, you know, he does the traditional like American voice, you know, like, don't mess with the law let the law handle this and all, yeah. all that lovely and obviously is when we see him in their outfits it, you know it's the traditional like dick tracy long trench coat fedora sunglasses wearing so i, I just loved it it really fit the character of Crichton. I and think. i really love the moments where he's trying to convince himself that because he's a detective he would be a you know he he's gonna be a take no nonsense kind of guy you know and he yeah, goes through yeah, this yeah. whole spiel and then and then that's when i think rimmer points out that he you know for all he knows he might be traffic. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> nice and then immediately he reverts back to like typical Crichton and goes, oh yes, yes, absolutely yeah. so. You might be right. <laughs> yeah. Robert Llewellyn excelling again. And Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and we get Rimmer, uh, who is kind of a tramp, basically yeah. down on his luck. He's got a smelly coat. He's got this crazy yeah. hair. He's basically... Poor Billy like, Doyle. Yeah, poor Billy Doyle. Then we have Lister, who is rich, um swerve got lots got a limo parked in the garage has a nice yeah. expensive watch and turns out is uh rimmer's brother yes uh, sebastian doyle um yeah and do you know what again i wrote that makes complete sense of course they are i mean we've talked about in this show their sort of bizarre relationship where you know they don't get on but they sort of respect yeah they have this kind of sibling and... rivalry don't they yeah, which I think is why, it, it, you know, obviously it's funny, but it does also make complete sense that they are related in this supposed real life. It just makes sense. And even funnier that Lister's the supposed successful one and Rimmer just doesn't have an excuse. Well, like I say, he doesn't have an excuse that he can't blame his upbringing or his parents. He's just floundered it, apparently, at some point in his life. So Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and so that's that's who they all are, and they're kind of uh, hustled out of the room as a as a new team and a new set of listers and rimmers come in to play the game. Yes, yes, that's it. And um, we see a little clip of their game a bit later on. Um, our lister watches, doesn't he, on one of the screens? Yes, yeah, so they're and... doing much, much better. <laughs> yeah, they've got. I think they've got Kachansky, and uh, well, I must say that male actor's handling of the female actor was a bit. Uh, rough and ready which i'm sure was part of the you know i'm sure that was part of the scene and all that but i was a bit like whoa okay that's um yeah you know i yeah. was a bit like wow <laughs> so, i'm quite surprised <laughs> that they didn't get uh the actress same actress back for kachansky because that's an you know in, in gaming language that's an npc that's not a that's not a player yeah that's, oh that's do you mean computer... the the scottish one yeah so, so i read somewhere i'm not sure if i read this correctly but i think it might be this series or maybe the next series, but um, there was at some point where um, Kachansky is featured again, whether it was this or next series, I don't know. And I think it, it read that they they didn't choose her because they thought she was now too old. Oh, but then okay. it's like, but all the main actors have aged as well. So yeah, I, I don't, one of those... One of those weird TV, you know, ages yeah, things. Yeah, that I will it, so. say relates to a couple of series time. Oh, okay. Yeah. It might have been that then, but I just read that somewhere that she, I don't know if she was asked or, but it sounds like she, what, you know, they just said, oh, well, she's too old now. So, because yes. I believe it's someone different in those later series who plays uh, Kachansky. Yes. 
Yeah. But yeah, for yeah. this, I don't know why they just didn't get her yeah. back for that. I mean, maybe she, maybe it was too small. Maybe she just didn't want to. I don't know. Well, she Who might knows? have been touring because I learned she was a, a former pop star. Or really? Rock star. She was a, a singer in a, a band called Altered Images, I think. Okay, I've not um, heard of them. But... Well, I only found that out because, uh, sorry, big tangent, guys, sorry. Um, the, in the recent Blu-ray release of season 24 of Doctor Who, um, one of the extras was a bit, you know, a bit of promotion for that season. And I don't know what program it was, but they were talking to Sylvester McCoy, but then she popped up and I was like, oh, I was like, that's, that's Kachansky. Obviously, this was pre-Red Dwarf, but I was like, yeah. that's Kachansky. And they were saying she had like a, a solo single out. And they, they oh. mentioned that she'd been part of this band called Altered Images, which I think was more of an early 80s, like new wavy kind of band. I've heard the name Altered Images, but I don't I wouldn't recognize any of their stuff. But you know how these bands come back around? Maybe she was maybe she was doing that. Who knows? Maybe. I'm gonna have to go look them up after this. Yeah. See if they got but, any music um, on Spotify. Yeah, no, definitely. I I need to give it a listen as well. But I'm pretty sure that it was it was her, you know, because obviously it was one year before Red Dwarf started, and I was like, that's definitely the. And she had a Scottish accent and all that, so I was like, this is definitely the same person. Yeah, um, yeah. But they get they get out of the um. So the the, the guys get out of the uh, uh the this center where this game yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and discover they're in a a bit of a fascist state. Yeah, just a little bit with those posters. <laughs> posters on the wall, you know, betray your family. Yeah. What was it what, vote for fascism for a third time in a row for complete government control or something like that? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's 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 coming a little too close to home these days. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Hopefully, we won't see posters like that in the end. But yeah, uh, yeah, scary. yeah. So, but it's a very weird kind of weird fascist state. Once we get the guy that it sort of. Uh, discovers them in the parking lot and it, who mm. is chasing somebody who has stolen an apple and he's talking of like apple of the people yes and yeah. uh and then he's talking of like uphold uh, voters so it's this kind of weird pseudo democracy is it fascism. yeah is it it's, sort of that like false democracy like yeah you know, the, the government says you have free will and free choice but they're probably the only party to yes, vote for sort and of, that's yeah, yeah 1984 you know uh what is it uh two and two yeah. make whatever five or whatever it is yeah or certain countries in the world at the minute but we won't we won't name names um but yeah no it's that it's that horrible kind of you know doom scenario where it's like fascism rules and they they try and present this illusion that you have free will as a voter which is probably like say why they refer him to, to try and reinforce that but they probably don't you know well it's, it's effectively we later learn because we discover that lister is in fact a very important person in this fascist regime he uh, is his, he's his... the voter colonel isn't it uh yeah voter colonel head of the military of alteration and alteration is it uh, seems to be killing people that aren't going to vote for the fascist party. <laughs> yeah, pretty again, pretty much. So yeah, basically it's voter like, suppression because they're just going to kill everyone that won't vote for them. Yeah, it's like you you have free will, but if you don't obey us, then you're dead, pretty much. Yes, so. you have free will to choose death or voting for us is what they're saying there. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so much, all yeah. in all, pretty bad situation they're in. Yeah, um, very and bad. They all, they've all retained, obviously, their, their personalities and their memories from Red Dwarf, the game. Mm. Yeah. They they haven't, uh, at this point in the, in the thing, uh, they haven't retained gotten any of the real world again yes. inverted heavy inverted commas uh memories back mm. so 
Lister is like appalled that he would be this person. Uh, and Crichton ends up killing the guy to mm. stop him, to stop the guy killing the child. But of course, as, as a, um, as a mechanoid, he's programmed not to kill humans. That's so right. That yes. tears him, him up. Cat mm. is obviously already, um, not feeling great because he's, uh, it looks terrible and has no fashion sense. And yeah, the prime concern. Of yeah, course. and Rimmer's life is clearly just horrible there, and he can't. Oh, his thing is that he can't blame it on his parents anymore. That's right. Yeah, because Lister's parents, who are, he shares a parent with, and he's become really yeah, rich. He can't so stand it. They yeah. all become a bit suicidal, mm. and they all decide that they, they've got one bullet, and they're just going to line up their heads. Yes, and. Uh, kill each other all at once and then luckily holly (laughs) gets through to them because yes it they're not this isn't the real world the real world is red dwarf yes and this is the hallucinogenic effects of the squid you're hallucinating you're hallucinating what yes um yes it is did you i mean I knew this was happening anyway because I've seen it. So it's hard for me to remember when I first clicked this from the first time I saw it. But did you like they? I mean, with the hallucinogenic squid stuff, did you in the minute they came out of the VR stuff, did you assume that this wasn't the real world? Honestly, no, because okay. um, with what this show can do and um, what it has done, I thought this has the potential to be. And again, I think it's this thing I've been told, you know, maybe in the next series or at some point in the future that they're not really going to be on Red Dwarf anymore. So mm. I think now anytime they divert, like you know, like this, I'm like, oh, is this is this the catalyst moment? Is this what takes them away from Red Dwarf? You know, um, so no, I didn't click it only until I think it's before Holly cuts in. There's a, a moment where either they're talking or it might be when they're uh, when they're dri- is the driving's first, isn't it? Before Holly cuts in. No, Holly cuts in first. Oh, is it? I thought when Crichton shoots the guy. Oh, yes. Don't they get in the car and then there's a uh, brief. Is it that? I'm trying to look yeah, in my notes in the order. Right. Yeah, yes. I've, I think I've written that before. That the, is first. The Holly yes, comes so we in. knew that. Yes, that's when it's kind of revealed to the audience, isn't it? Well, before, before they the get in the car, bit. I think it's when he shoots the guy. There's a brief few seconds where we see them in Red Dwarf in their regular outfits and then it cuts back. Oh, and really? I was like. Yeah, yeah, because I wrote in my notes, I wrote, wait, what? Back on Red Dwarf? Uh, I think it's just before they get in the car. It's literally a few seconds. Like, you know, they're having a conversation. And oh, then I it just cuts. That. It just cuts back and then cuts, well, it cuts to and from. And I thought, right. And then they get in the car and, you know, then we're fully on Red Dwarf and we're seeing them pretending to, you know, run around and do yes. the driving. Oh, which, which was a great moment. I really love that scene. You know, they're all pretending to like chug along in the car, bouncing up and down, shooting over the bridge, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, but then, yeah, then I think Holly cuts in when they get to the outside the burger place or wherever Yes, you're it is. right. The car stuff was first. I can't believe yeah, yeah, but, I um, that the wrong way around. But when Holly yes. did cut in, obviously then I was, you know, we're fully aware that they are hallucinating. But I'm surprised they didn't save that until... Um, you know, until like you say, until Holly cuts in. But then I thought, well, if you were going to do a car chase, that would require a lot of setup, you know, probably be very expensive to do, like, you know, jumping over a bridge and all that. So I may- could it have potentially been maybe a budgetary thing why they revealed it early? I I don't think so. I just think it's more funny. Because, uh, yeah. like, it, it, it could have done a car chase and that all been real. 
and it would have been maybe exciting, but it wouldn't have been, I don't think it would have been particularly funny, but it was hilarious watching them run around and think they're in a car and be like, have it like having an imaginary steering wheel in front of them and leaning to side to side while sitting on these cardboard boxes, whatever they were sitting on. So I, I, I think that was a deliberate choice for the comedy, not because of budget restraints. No, fair enough. And yeah, what it was funny. Don't get me wrong. It was a great scene. Yeah, it was just I guess I was just curious why they uh, why they didn't save it until, you know, right before they were going to pull the trigger sort of thing. But yeah, that that makes sense. But um, they do manage to come back to reality. But was it the higher frequency that saved them that Holly was broadcasting? Yes. So initially she just contacts Crichton, really, doesn't she? Um, through the higher frequency, which I guess makes sense because he's a mechanoid. I was wondering how it affected him in the first place, given he's not organic. <laughs> I suppose so, but then I guess he he does as we've as he's developed over the past few series. We've established that he is capable of, I guess, sort of like expanding in like emotions and stuff and having feelings. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe suppose, it's something to do with I that. But I just like, like how would the yeah yeah doesn't matter. Yeah, what you doesn't mean. matter. Probably just plays on his circuits or something, and that's what yeah, makes him go, yeah. go haywire. Um, but. but then she gets him to release a gas that then is the same stuff from earlier that they used to to alter their mood back yes, down. Yes, um, yes. And that then brings them all out of it, and then they can all hear her voice, and they all come out of it. Yeah, and and just like that, that, that has happened. And uh, yeah, we get a few little... Well, we get some more exposition from Crichton about what happened. Uh, and uh, I love Kat's little quip about, you know, super... What was he say about Kat? He's like, the cat had terrible dress sense because he's incre- he didn't have anything to live for because he's incredibly yes. shallow. And then Kat just responds as well, superficial is my middle name. And I was like, yeah, that, yeah that's just sum this character to an absolute T. That was a great line. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And then we cut back to Starbug and uh, Lister's coming out with another message. It seems to be... Uh, well, sort of a message, you know. I guess he's more summarising on on the on the day's events, so to speak. You know about evolution and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, don't play God. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But it always seems to be in the last few series. It always seems to be Lister, doesn't it? Who comes out with the the message, if you like, or the the ethos of the episode? It's it's never really one of the others, or unless I've just forgotten. Uh, yeah, yeah, mostly. Sometimes Crichton gets in something. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You're mostly him. The other two, I suppose, aren't particularly moral messagey type of people. Yeah, and um for all like the quick endings Red Dwarfs had or the endings on a quip, this one did just sort of end really, didn't it? They just sort it's just Rimmer saying no one likes a smart smart Alec mechanoid and hit the retros and yeah. off they go. That's it. That's it. Off into the next series. Yeah. There was thought, actually, uh, when this air, when this was made, that it might be the last episode ever, oh, potentially. Well, um, well, I guess it does have, like, a bit of finality to it. You know, there's no cliffhanger. It's just sort of a, right, we've done that, on we go. Which, yeah, yeah. It's beca- p- partly because the cast were sort of starting to get other work and things. Um, yeah, Chris Barry yeah. was, I think, firmly into his role as... Gordon Britus and the British Empire by this point. Uh, mm. Crichton, this is, see, this is also the point where they had fit, I think they'd just filmed the um, American pilot, oh, which had Robert Llewellyn in it as Crichton. So yeah. if that had been picked up, he might not he have been able that. to yeah. do the British version anymore. So I think yeah. they were thinking that maybe the, the you know, this just wouldn't continue after this if the, if the American yeah. version got picked up. 
And with Craig Charles was was ninety two. Was that too early for Robot Wars? Oh, that yeah, that was too. I think that was too early for Robot Wars. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sure he was doing other things as well. Probably. When did Robot Wars start? I'm going to Google that. Let me yeah, just double check. It on was that. it was in the nineties, I think. So, I just remember because they used to re when I was growing up in the early two thousands. They used to rerun many of like you know the old um episodes some of which had when jeremy clarkson used to host it of course yes. way back when uh, but then i think craig charles always did the fight commentary didn't he I think. craig charles um uh so it started in 1998 and that was oh, the was one with that? jeremy clarkson oh, and then okay. craig charles took over in 1998 for the second series and oh. was the host until it was uh cancelled in 2004 Right. And it was oh, I briefly revived some... from 2016 to 2018. Yes, with Daro Breen. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember seeing that. But yeah, no, I, I must have seen new episodes then because I watched it in the early 2000s. So maybe it wasn't reruns after all. It might have been. Yeah, it might have him. been brand new but episodes. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, no, I mean, that could make sense. It was the last one. And I know just going uh, going forward for series six again, when, when I've looked at some of the synopsis for the episodes we've reviewed, I, I caught the. You know, on Wikipedia, it's like it has like a little summary of the season, and I just caught the one for series six, and it apparently, um, the well, it says many of the episodes were or were written or like they were rushed because the BBC wanted new episodes, you know, ASAP. Ah, okay. Um, or that's what it says on the against Wikipedia. It could be, you know, you have to check your sources. But yeah, apparently it was just a, a bit rushed. Not I'm not saying that means the episodes will be bad, but apparently the BBC were like, we want more. Um, so yeah, they had to oblige, I suppose. Well, yeah, yeah. But that's we'll get there. We'll get. We there. We will but, indeed. Um, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So that that's that's this episode. Who yes. who was your favourite character in this episode? Oh, it's got to be Andy, the Timothy Spall character. Oh, okay, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just love, I mean, I love the fact he was in it full stop. I never thought I'd see uh, Timothy Spall pop up. But yeah, I loved like everything from like his brummy accent. He calls people twonks and I call people twonks. And I've got to admit, I've never really heard anyone else call people twonks. So that clicked with me. I just thought, you know, considering it was a part, he's only on screen for a few minutes. He, he gave it everything he's got and he really made me laugh. So yeah, it's got to be Andy. I'm going to go with um, Crichton, or uh, yeah, it is Crichton, isn't it? Really, I was going to say he always have a character. What was his no, name? Jack, Jack Bullet. Yeah. Jack Bullet. Um, yeah. But when he's, it's when he's trying to do the like when he thinks he's a hardened detective and he's doing the like. Jake Bullet, cybernautic detective. I like that. That sounds like the kind of hard living flatfoot who gets the job done by cutting corners and bucking authority. And if those pen pushers up at City Hall don't like it, well, they can park their overpaid fat asses on this mid-digit and swivel, <laughs> swivel till they squeal like pigs on a honeymoon. Those bits are great. I love that. Um, I think he's got the most uh, interesting sort of stuff to do in that from the from the main cast. Although Andy, like you say, I just uh, I, I completely forgot about him, but he would be a contender. He was really good, too. Yeah, he was ace. Yeah. What about your funniest moment? My funniest moment? Well, uh, a contender was the, the killer seat saw humpus line. I know that makes me sound really juvenile, but I think it's because I just wasn't expecting it. And it, uh, I, I just really had a giggle. But I've got to give it to the, the play acting and the hallucinating with the driving. Yes. Um, just because, you know, these are four grown men. 
um, you know, the, the script is like, you've just got to run around and be completely immersed. Like, you can't corpse, you can't giggle, you've got to treat this dead. And they do. And what, I mean, and this is probably just drilled into me from drama school, but when you do things like that, you know, you're all in a car. They yes. always say when you do, like, the bouncing and stuff to try and get it, because you're all in the same car, you want to try and get it sort of as in sync with, like, movements and stuff. And for the most part, they all did. And it was it was just really great to see. It just shows that they're, they're all, you know, they're four great actors who are dedicated to what they do. So, and it was yeah. just also really funny. Like, all the moments they had were really funny. So I've got to give it to that. Uh-oh, speed bumps. <laughs> Chicane! That's two episodes in a row where we've uh, managed to bring it back to old uh, drama lessons in some way yes, or another. Yes, yeah, that's true. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely, I've, I've gone for the same moment, just that them running around, them doing it in the car, like, and, and the like the moment where Rimmer, like, winds down the window as well. <laughs> he's yeah, like, oh, doing God, the cranking yeah, of the window, yeah. and he, he's, uh, like, putting putting it all into it as well. Yeah, classic GCSE <laughs> drama, isn't it? You know, yes. wind down the window, <laughs> all that jazz. <laughs> See, kids these days, they, they won't get that. They, no. They'll just be like, what are you talking about? You just press a button. GCSE drama now is just like, uh, say no to drugs and all that sort of stuff. But. Is it? Well, I've said, well, it was even in my time, but it's just, there's a big focus on like, you've got to do like your themes now, you know, like say no to anti-drink, anti-drug, important stuff, of course, but you know, you want to do stuff a bit more exciting than just do like a PSA uh, performance piece. I think think my, uh, my GCSE uh, made up piece was something about a a doctor's waiting room which had a demon in it uh, an invisible man and something else something i can't remember it all now see that's interesting though that's like good stuff not like just doing straightforward oh we're gonna do this the state message but yeah (laughs) how times change Um, yeah yeah what about marks out of 10 how many scutters out of 10 would you get this episode Marks out of ten, I'm giving this a nine. Oh, a um, nine! Yeah, nice. I really, I really High enjoyed this episode. It, it's probably the closest for me, at least so far, that Red Dwarf has come to feeling like a straightforward drama, which yeah. I really appreciate. Like, obviously, I know it's a sci-fi comedy at its core, but I do like it when it does do the more drama things and like takes it seriously in that regard. Because I think they do it really well, like the actors and the way it's, like we said at the beginning, it's very atmospheric and all that sort of stuff. Um, I love the whole back to reality concept, like even though they're hallucinating, I love that world. All their alternative characters are hilarious. Um, the the scenes we talked about, like the drive-in scene. Um, and yeah, do you know, like as you said, if this was the last episode ever, I think I'd be happy with that, to be honest. Like if this yeah. was the end, I was like, yeah, it's, it's a good episode to bow out on. You know, it's fun. It's full of different things going on. And it's just a it's just a great time. It's one of those episodes I'm not going to forget. You know, I think some along the way, I'll probably forget like details and stuff. But I don't think I'll forget this one. No. Nine out of ten. I am also going to give it a nine. Ah, nice. Strong episode. I think I'm still leaving space because I think there are better episodes. Uh, so I want to, I want to leave you know that's myself big some talk, room. Phil, Although that's I think big I've talk. given an I think I've given a nine point five in the past. I think on I one think episode. we both have at some point. Yeah, you know, I just can't remember so, which. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to go back and once we once we finished all this and see what we gave every episode and see if we stick by those rankings yeah if we can later remember on. So, yeah that's true yeah. I'll be like I can't remember then. why I gave that a six out of ten but <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, that's another episode down. We'll be continuing our uh, trek on through the 
series. We're mm-hmm. on to series six. That's right. And uh, we'll, well uh, we'll be opening series six with a guest. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> we, we've learned we, we should never overpromise these things because well, no, some, yeah, sometimes yeah. We, they don't always work out. Okay, I'll rephrase. We hope to have a guest uh, for... <laughs> series six episode one um but yeah there is but there is a place isn't there phil where they can keep up to date with that information should they want to you can indeed do follow us on our uh, podcast twitter account which is mm. at all dead dave pod that's right that's the one follow us there we've got we can you know keep up to did, date with what's going on who our guests reviewers are gonna be did you uh, like that segue i thought memes. that was a i thought that was a pretty good segue very good segue well done <laughs> Getting better at it. Getting better at it. So, um, but yeah, um, what a, sorry, you go. So check us out there, and uh, and obviously check uh, both myself and Adam out. Oh, other places we live on the internet. Where do you live, Adam? Uh, I li- uh, where do I live? Uh, I partly live on YouTube, just at Adam Martin with a Y. I make content on uh, Doctor Who and other things I like. Now that's what I call music, um, TV history, idents. There's lots of different stuff. Check it out. And uh, I'm on Twitter as well, Adam Martin ATV. Just give us a follow for daily ramblings and such like. Uh, but yeah, those are my two homes on the internet. What about you, Phil? Uh, well, there's the YouTube channel, which I do put this this podcast up on as well you as do. it going you out do. on all the podcast channels. So you can um, have a listen to this while you gaze at a little cartoon picture of me and Adam. <laughs> uh, it doesn't. They, we don't move. Just no. It's just a little still cartoon by sophie Isles yeah. of us uh, so yeah. you can look at that while you listen to us if you wish um Absolutely. also i do content on doctor who star trek the mcu basically any geek cult, pop culture that i enjoy and consume I'll, I'll probably make some content about it at some point so if you like any of that stuff do go check it out give me a like and a subscribe and all that all that jazz yeah thanks awesome. <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> cool uh right uh that well we better get going and ready for the next episode we will see yes. you all soon all right see you later bye bye